think we have a climate crisis, come travel with me around the country. No, I'm not joking. Go back. Go back. I have no intention of letting the Republicans wreck our economy, nor does anybody around this table, in my view. Last year, after decades of plotting and insidious efforts, the MAGA Supreme Court stripped millions of women of the right to abortion, putting the power to make personal health care decisions firmly in the hands of MAGA extreme Republicans. But this is something that we've been in active conversation with with Democratic leadership. And I also want to add that this goes beyond just congressional leadership. We have governors in states across across the country, including here in New York with uh, Governor Kathy Hochul saying, expand these legal pathways, uh, make it easier for these folks to get work authorizations. Here in New York, we are ready to put people to work. And yes, we have dark chapters, chapters, like when the St. Louis during the Holocaust sailed to our shores and was turned around where folks were sent back to those horrors and many died. Last night in Ways and Means, we were talking about House File 4, the driver's licenses for illegals, and Representative Hassan was very adamant about the humanity, Rep- about the humanity of Representative these people that chose to come to this Scott. country. Representative Scott, I was just going to correct you that we do not refer to people as illegals. No human is well, illegal. Well, uh, where's, where's the law saying that? And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 27th of January, year of our Lord, 2023. Going a day early because I had enough material per SOP. We never stop. And I love that bumper. I'm not going to let the GOP ruin the economy, says the guy that's going to ruin the economy. Then we got the uber duper, super duper, pooper scooper mega. AOC was not in New York and Booker and then freaking out over illegal. Oh my God, these people and their semantics. But This is the world we live in. I'm not playing documents today, but I want to play this before I forget to play it. This is a CNN scoop, which isn't a scoop, but it's going to tie into one of our last top six today with Jon Stewart. The media is broken. Telling CNN that the FBI's unprecedented search of President Biden's Delaware home followed very high stakes talks between the Justice Department and Biden attorneys, and the department was prepared to seek a search warrant. CNN's senior legal affairs. No shit. That's how it works, dumbass. But they want to make a story out of something that's not a story. Because the only other story they got is to talk about 
what's on the documents, and they don't want to do that. So, want to talk about something that's really sad. This is a um, rest stop on the way down to the coast. It's right across the Alabama-Tennessee border, border, and it has been there as long as I can remember, since the 60s or 70s, and they're taking it down. So on a show this year, you will see me take last pictures. We're going to drive down. It's about 80 miles from our house, and we're going to take pictures with it because we took the grandkids there. We, took, uh, we stopped to piss every time we went there. It is part of the South. And the uh, story goes it would cost $7 million to fix it, and they can't haul it because the highways wouldn't accommodate towing it. And then on top of it, make matters worse, it just too cost extensive. They'd have to shut the rest stop down for somebody to come there and do it on site. So they're going to yank this beautiful thing and bring something else someday. But it's local, but it's sad. All right. Before we get into our misinformation top six, I want to cover that crazy thing. That's on top of a, a courthouse. And um, I, I don't understand um, why it's on top of a courthouse. It's literally fucking the ugliest thing I've ever seen. It's supposed to be RGB. And since it's with the theme of it, um, Obama did another speech. The raw sewage of disinformation ignores Democrats' own garbage. Well, here is our first one. The rounds this week for Hannah Nicole, the creator of 1619, which is nothing but disinformation. We're going to turn now to my conversation with Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Nicole Hannah-Jones, whose New York Times bestselling book, The 1619 Project, is about to debut as a docuseries. And just like the book, Nicole says the series is a show for everyone. Premiering at a time when heated debates about how history is taught in our children's schools are erupting across the nation. Just last week, the Florida Board of Education made headlines after it rejected the addition of an advanced placement African-American studies course. This medium of television is democratizing. You can ban what uh, someone can learn in a classroom, but you can't stop them from watching uh, this documentary series and getting that information. So I think it, it is really coming at a critical time. One word to describe. Okay, if I say the 1619 project is? Truth. And from the moment the 1619 project hit the shelves, it has become Nicole's life's work. She also told me she's truly loving her time now at Howard University, where she's teaching classes once a week in her tenured position there. Nicole has also advocated for her work in similar journalism to be included in schools' history curriculums across the country and says those who disagree have not kept her from continuing her work. And she makes it abundantly clear that she wants this to be in addition to not in replace right. of what is being taught. Right. She didn't hesitate at all on that one word. I know. <laughs> she is so thoughtful. We've already covered the trials and tribulations of that. It's just downright crazy 
what they think is okay. You know, you can make things up as long as it's woke. For our next soundbite, I just want to put a picture up this anti-Semitic Rashida Tlaib. Palestinians may be banned from flying their flag under apartheid government, but we can still proudly do it in my office. I'm proud to be a Palestinian American. I want the Palestinian people to know that all, all Americans support apartheid. No one can erase our existence. Questioning whether Jews exist dual loyalty. Very interesting. And our soundbite is, it's just, it's to a crescendo fever pitch now about kicking this piece of shit and two other pieces of shit off committee. This is literally from the article from the LA Times. A mild manner former prosecutor shift built a profile as a modern Democrat focused on foreign policy and national security. And what planet did you get that information? What planet? Here is one minute and 50 seconds of him lying. Kevin McCarthy officially cut two Democrats from the House Intelligence Committee, Congressman Eric Swalwell and Adam Schiff. We suspect the real reason Republicans are going after Mr. Schiff is that he has been so effective. In a contentious exchange with reporters Tuesday night, McCarthy said it was a matter of national security, falsely accusing Schiff of lies about Donald Trump. The reality is that there is ample evidence of collusion in plain sight. Adam Schiff, the top Democrat, saying there is significant evidence of collusion. There's ample evidence of collusion uh, of the campaign, and it's very much in the public record. Adam Schiff said that there was damning evidence of collusion, and he said it was worse than Watergate. I could certainly say with confidence that there is significant evidence of collusion uh, between the campaign and Russia. So you have seen direct evidence of collusion? Uh, I don't want to go into specifics, but I will say that there is evidence that is not circumstantial. I can't go into the particulars, but there is more than circumstantial evidence. I've certainly, certainly said that there's ample evidence of collusion. I've never used the word treason. There's an effort to discredit Christopher Steele rather than looking into how many of the allegations he wrote about were true. Maybe they can discredit Mr. Steele, although he's held in very high regard uh, within the intelligence community. But what's to be gained about that? It doesn't uh, undercut the fact that Russia hacked uh, our election uh, institutions. Uh, Donald Trump was really the one who enabled this Russian operation to be so successful. I think it's corrupt and evidence of collusion. Congressman Schiff, I do want to start with you because in a way, I feel like you in Kevin McCarthy's mind committed the greater crime, which was presiding over the impeachment of Donald Trump. And I can't find any legitimate reason why you would not want to be would not be on. The walls are closing in, he said. He said that for years and the walls never closed. He still says it. And they carried on the J6 lie. But you're going to hear Miriam Williams, uh, I think she's going to try to run for president, Schiff, fucking douche knuckle, the fucking Solwell, Omar talk about it, and a great soundbite of McCarthy snapping back. The problem is that that's not who these people are. Jim Jordan, I'm sorry, he's a partisan hack. This is a man who himself was deemed by the January 6th committee to be a 
quote-unquote significant player in the Trump, uh, the Trump administration effort to overthrow the election. This is not someone who should even be on a committee like this, much less leading it. Is seating uh, a human fraud, George Santos, on committees, uh, a serial uh, fabricator about every part of his existence. He's perfectly comfortable with it. He needs George Santos. That you should not be on the intelligence committee because he says that you've told lies, including about uh, former Chairman Nunes. I want to give you a chance to directly respond and also to you, Representative Omar, to the accusations they're laying against you. Well, you know, I can just say that uh, Mr. McCarthy's rationalizations, justifications keep shifting. Um, the cardinal sin appears to be that I led the impeachment of his master in Mar-a-Lago. Um, for withholding hundreds of millions of dollars in military aid from Ukraine, a nation that was even then at war with Russia in order to extort that country into helping Donald Trump's re-election campaign. Uh, we proved those facts and got the first bipartisan vote in the Senate in history to remove a president. Um, Kevin McCarthy calls that a hoax. Um, well, it was not a hoax. Um, but he will do the former president's bidding. He is entirely reliant on the former president, uh, and this is something the former president wants. Um, but um, I can assure you that if the former president or Kevin McCarthy believes that this is going to stop any of us uh, from fighting to protect our democracy, um, they're going to find out uh, uh, that the opposite is true. It only will intensify our commitment to doing so. In modern American history, the punishment of stripping a member of Congress of their committee assignments has been reserved for only the most egregious wrongdoings. Those convicted or indicted on corruption, those who have engaged in bribery, sexual misconduct, encouraged violence, or other grave charges. I have served on the foreign on the House Foreign Affairs Committee and the House Education and Labor Committee for the past two terms, committees that I have lived experience and expertise in. As a child who survived war, lived in a refugee camp, I would have never imagined that I would one day have the opportunity to serve on a subcommittee on Africa, global health, and global human rights. I would not have believed that I would one day not just serve as the first African-born member of Congress, but on a committee that oversees policies towards the continent. Tell about somebody else. So this is purely about political vengeance. The cost is not only removing us from the committee, on the Intelligence Committee, the cost is not only breaking, shattering the most precious glassware in the cabinet, a committee that's always been bipartisan, the cost are the death threats that Ms. Omar, myself, and Mr. Schiff keep getting because Mr. McCarthy continues to aim and project these smears against us. Even though we have said publicly these smears are bringing death threats, he continues to do it, which makes us believe that there's an intent behind it. But we will not be quiet. We're not going away. I think he'll regret giving all three of us more time. Because you have direct power over who goes on the intelligence, you also will be able to raise for your taking off other Democrats, perhaps Representative Omar. But you have said that lying to us is something that means you should be removed from the Intelligence Committee, but why is it not a factor? Well, let me be very... This is a man who should not be on committee, something you do have power over. He's got elected by his district, so... Why 
Okay. Let, let me be very clear and respectful to you. You ask me a question. When I answer it, it's the answer to your question. You don't get to determine whether I answer your question or not, okay? In all respect. Thank you. No, no. Let's answer her question. You just raised a question. I'm going to be very clear with you. The Intel Committee is different. You know why? Because what happens in the Intel Committee, you don't know. What happens in the Intel Committee, although the secrets are going on in the world, other members of Congress don't know. What did Adam Schiff do as the chairman of the Intel Committee? What Adam Schiff did, use his power as a chairman and lie to the American public. Even the Inspector General said it. When Devin Nunes put out a memo, he said it was false. When we had a laptop, he used it before an election to be politics and say that it was false and said it was the Russians. When he knew different, when he knew the intel, if you talk to um, John Radcliffe, DNI, he came out ahead of time and says there's no intel to prove that, and he used his position as chairman, knowing he has information the rest of America does not, and lied to the American public. When a whistleblower came forward, he said he, he did not know the individual, even though his staff had met with him and set it up. So no, he does not have a right to sit on that. But I will not be like Democrats and play politics with these, where they removed Republicans from committees and all committees. So yes, he can serve on a committee, but he will not serve on intel, because it goes to the national security of America, and I will always put them first, all right? And if you want to talk about Swalwell, let's talk about Swalwell, because you have not had the briefing that I had. I had the briefing, and Nancy Pelosi had the briefing from the FBI. The FBI never came before this Congress to tell the leadership of this Congress that Eric Swalwell had a problem with a Chinese spy until he served on intel. So it wasn't just us who were concerned about it. The FBI was concerned about putting a member of Congress on the Intel Committee that has the rights to see things that others don't because of his knowledge and relationship with a Chinese spy. They brought it to the works of the leaders. I've got that briefing. So I do not believe he should sit on there. That committee? And I believe there's 200 other Democrats that can serve on that committee. So this has nothing to do with Santos. Santos is not on the Intel Committee. But you know what? Those voters elected Schiff, even though he lied. Those voters elected... Remember, boys and girls, they built this party. All right? They, they broke protocol. And I'm old enough to remember them breaking protocol that a simple majority would win Senate... Uh, filibuster was going to get rid of this filibuster. They got rid of it and they brought it back uh, when they're about to lose power. And they decided to kick people off committees. It never happened because they said anybody who questioned January 6th or questioned the 2020 election was an insurrectionist when they've, they questioned the 2000, 2004, 2016, 2018, 2022. I mean, what election have they not questioned? I mean, you can't make this shit up. And now they're just the media and everybody's gnashing teeth. How can we lose these people off committee? It is the worst thing ever. And that was a little abrupt. Sorry, folks. Um, with this surgery, there's days that you don't go to the bathroom. And there's days that you sprint to the bathroom. And uh, I think I just broke the 100 mile meter world record getting up there in time. But... Yeah, it's good times. Good times. So uh, let's move on. Our next is, of course, two shootings, California. 
both of them the most strictest gun laws in the fucking country, and they were done by Asians, so of course, let's take away guns. This shooting is a deadliest in America since last year's massacre at Uvalde Elementary School, which killed 21. There have been 33 mass shootings so far in just the first three weeks of 2023, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Yeah, and while there is no official definition of mass shootings, I think everyone can agree that this happens far too often. The nonprofit Gun Violence Archive uh, defines mass shootings as any specific incident where at least four or more people are shot. By that definition alone, Robin, just in 2023, there have been roughly three dozen such shootings. The massacre here in Monterey Park is the 33rd mass shooting in just the first three weeks of the year. We begin with the deadly epidemic that is uniquely American. Just a week left in the month of January, and there have already been 39 mass shootings in this country. And so all of this brings us to the point of trying to comprehend the numbers here 24 days into the new year. And those numbers are these. America has had 39 mass shootings. That is more than any of the last five Januaries in this country. And according to the Gun Violence Archive, which tracks this kind of thing, we are now on pace to outpace last year's total of 647 mass shootings. The definition, by the way, is four or more victims, not including the gunman. And yes, this is a uniquely American problem. It's January the 24th, 24 days into the new year, and get this, there have already been 38 mass shootings in the United States so far this year. And Nate, gun violence is as American as apple pie in the sports that we watch. You said 39 mass shootings. We're on day 24 of January. Yeah. Yeah. And every time we see updated numbers, my logic says that has to be wrong. Yeah. Those numbers have to be exaggerated. Once again, you can take away the guns. They're going to use rocks. And the thing that I think is so funny about it, in their zeal to get points, of course, they go with the uh, assault pistol, which isn't a thing. Um, and it blows up all the every town stats that it's always a white guy or something. And it's just, sometimes I just don't understand these people. Um, they don't get it. They just don't get it. It's human nature. You can try, but they're going to do what they want to do. If they want to kill people, they're going to fucking kill people. So try to take the guns. All you're going to do is put people that didn't break laws in a bad way. If it's a... Uh, what is today? A Thursday? No, it's a Friday. If it's a Friday, we have sycophancy. I just want, before we get into it, she dumped her stocks before the DOJ went after Google. It's out there. The media won't touch it. They'll still go after McCarthy and ask where his shit is, but they're not going to ask anything else. This is like the 19th time she's done it. So now we have a Nancy Pelosi. I'm playing the whole minute and 25 seconds. And then we have literally Meacham again, who writes speech for the, speeches for the president, likening Cheney to Lincoln. We also see you negotiating with a member of the Senate over a COVID relief bill. Here that goes. Let's do this one. This is. See, here's what happens in negotiations. When you get toward the end, people get tired. And that's what he is. You can't get tired. You can never get tired. You can't wear yourself down to the point of, oh, forget about it, just let's do it this way. You're terrible people. 
They're the worst. They radicalize you. They really make you some kind of a left-wing advocate. Is that part of your superpower, just be tougher and more relentless and wear the other guy out? Just get it done, baby. That's just the way it is. Just get it done. But here's the thing. It's interesting, I think, you tell me, of all the things that people have said to me about Alexandra's documentary, documentary they talk about this. That was the best advice, not to tire because it does happen in negotiations. The people, you get to a point where you think, okay, this is it. No. I mean, you have to compromise. That's a negotiation. But you cannot, uh, you cannot lose the fight. You cannot tire. Resting is rusting. You gotta stay there. Well, you recently published, and there was light, on the life of Abraham Lincoln. You say that Lincoln was, quote, a man who put moral commitment at the heart of what he was doing and a duty to constitutional order itself ahead of his own power. Are there modern day leaders that you think reflect similar qualities of character? Yes, I think, uh, I think of Liz Cheney right off the top of the, the question. I think of people who have actually sacrificed their own individual power in the cause of preserving a larger order that for all of its imperfections has proved durable and has also in our own time proven incredibly fragile, which we, we all sort of notionally thought about, you know, democracy is fragile. It's the kind of thing we would say, but now we know it really is. And yet Liz Cheney is no longer a leader in Congress. Exactly. And that's courage. And the great one great test about the durability and the ultimate wisdom of the American people will be what happens to her next. That is a large batch of shit. I, I just want to say for the record, no, she's not. Two people were charged for vandalizing anti-abortion fake pregnancy centers. Let's make sure we understand that. Two people finally. Maybe the uh, somebody ratted because they got their 25%. I don't know. It, it just cracks me the fuck up. Cracks me the fuck up. So we're going to go uh, two together because it's just good shit. You're going to hear Butt Leg talk about whatever he visions transportation is. And the richest thing I think I've ever heard on Mojo, you're going to have Mayor Dickface talk about it's too much of a burden for these cities to deal with illegal immigration. But yet Republican cities have been dealing with it the entire time Biden's let 5 million people walk across the border. Just now. Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, how serious is uh, the, the crisis at the border and what what pressures are putting on you as a mayor of New York City? Well, I believe that when I took the trip to the El Paso, you could see firsthand the impact of how it not only uh, harmed the foundation of El Paso, but look at Chicago, Houston, Washington, New York City, this is just unfair for cities to uh, carry the weight of a national problem. We're going to open four more uh, 
hotels, emergency hotels. We had to open Herc's. Uh, this is a major financial. We're looking at investments that, uh, that are fair, that contribute to equitable economic growth. We're looking at climate impacts because every transportation decision in, in the 21st century is a climate decision, whether we recognize it or not. Mine. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It wasn't. I don't. I don't find like Viacom and MTV folders and shit or or their property, especially if it says that. Like this is crazy. In Trump's defense, he wasn't planning to leave on the day he had to leave. You know, they <laughs> that guy packed in a hurry. <laughs> All right. So, so his was more a case of just emotional denial and, and, and upset. Yes, but can I tell you why I think I, this is why it's hard for me to care is because we're, we just overclassify. That's, that's what this guy's going to talk about today is that the whole system is, is utterly busted. Like some classified stuff is so kind of like tangential or circumstantial. They're like, well, the reason we can't keep this napkin is because mm. now we're going to know what restaurant. We can never go back. You know, it's like. Oh, yeah, no, it's all it's, it's a web. And I'm sure, listen, if there's a little note that's like, men I've killed while president. <laughs> okay, I'll, but, I'll give you that. But I will say, I love the, I love the Biden uh, slow drip here. He's like a magician just pulling the handkerchief constantly, but it's just classified documents. Like every time you think it's but done. But it's only a slow drip yeah. because the media is broken. Yes. Yeah. It's broken. Nobody has any idea of the context of this. And all they're doing now is talking about, they're trying to one-up. Trump had them in a storage facility. Biden had them by his car. Trump had them in a toaster oven. He, he was giving them out like mints <laughs> yeah. at the end of a meal at a diner. Like, huh. or, or, or they're talking about like, does this make the 2024 matchup more even? Yes. Like, they're fucking broken. Somehow, some way, Mayor Pete is trending and people are actually wanting to vote for him for president on the Democratic side. So he's, he's beating Biden in New Hampshire. This one is a blast to the past. Across the board, we're seeing more violence directed towards local government officials, said Mayor Ted Wheeler. This has led the city commissioners to approve paying three more armed security guards to patrol City Hall and other government buildings because they've done so much of the defunding that this this is what they do, which makes sense. An article that was going around, I didn't take a picture. What I'm why I'm speaking out, Dan Rather. And on immigration, 77 Democrats want to stop the asylum limits. They they want more people. These people are just sickos. So is our custom trans issues are now in disinformation. So here is our daily three. First one's a pet out, two fucking wackos. You go straight into the bump. On the other side, you're going to start hearing woke. First one is what a school thinks DPCS should be, anti-racist. People walking out at Harvard, fucking Don Lemon saying Florida that now limits CRT and LGBTQ training is the 1950s and Reed being a racist because that's all you're going to get on MSNBC racism and by the way I thought that bitch was getting fired so what do you what do you do for work you work at a Kirkland over there yeah I work at the elementary school okay awesome 
you're here you said you don't mind dating a 44 year old that's nice to you and would treat you like you were my own and you said like a daughter but better and more romantic so this was just a role-playing thing for you so basically, to paraphrase, all the stuff in the conversations would have happened only if she's okay with it. But it would have been her decision, okay. yes. So you wouldn't have done any of this, like, you know, touching and licking without her consent? Only with consent. Okay. How many years ago did this online crap start for you? And look, be open and honest. I'm not judging you for it, dude. I ate a lot of chocolate cake. You can call me a fat ass all you want, okay? We each have shit we're not proud of. The beginning of finding anything like that was like more than 10 years ago. How low do these kids go? Is it like infants, tall? And again, I'm not judging you for any of it, man. Just mm, tell me the truth. Very low, basically through the whole spectrum. Okay. Is there infants on that computer being molested on there? There's been a, a couple here. Now. How much infant porn do you have downloaded right now on your computer? How many images do you think or videos? I don't, I don't know. How many times do you think you masturbated to this infant porn? Quite a few and I've been desperate. Okay. What, what about an infant getting molested turns you on? About the infants being molested. Sure. It's, I guess it's just the, the honesty of the innocence of the kids being curious. Look, I obviously know you have more regrets than this. Has anything happened with you and your kid? Daddy-daughter shit? Have, no. you been, have you been accused? Ah, uh, you're pausing. You've been accused, haven't you? Tell me what happened real quick. Well, I mean, well you can talk. Frank, you're not under arrest, right? I'm just going to detain you real quick. Here's a talk with a student that I had that makes me happy that I teach kindergarten. So we're walking back from a nature walk because my job is cool. And one of my students stops in line and turns around because I was at the end playing caboose. And he says, Mr. Cow, do you think I'm a boy or a girl? I paused and I said, student, I don't get to decide if you're a boy or a girl. Only you get to decide if you're a boy or a girl. So what do you think? And he says, and he looks contemplative for a second. And then he looks at me and he says, I'm a boy. And I said, excellent news. Thanks for letting me know. I just got out of a lecture and my professor said something that really struck me that I feel like should have been super obvious that I just had not like connected the dots on before. And that is the fact that the term American citizen is like a racialized term. It's associated with whiteness, whether we want it to or not. Because of the way that white supremacy is so like intricately bound with the foundation of the country that we call America, that when you hear the word American citizen, the first thing that comes to mind is a white person. And what's crazy is I have this super vivid memory when I was only like maybe like five or six years old. My mom was just about to get her citizenship and she was like, yo, yo, I'm going to be an American citizen. And I was like freaking out because I fully thought that my mother was going to turn into a white woman. And obviously she didn't, but it's just crazy to me how at such a young age, I already was conditioned to think that American citizen meant white by default. Turn it up, turn it on, rock it like we've been to the bone. What I would like to see for every one of our students is the image of our kids running to school, excited to be there because it's a joyful place where they feel like who knows what might happen. DCPS Becoming is our journey towards becoming a whole child anti-racist school district. It means hope to me. Be there! 
Layla, thank you. This is, thank you. Poppy, this is bizarre. What, I know. What are I we, know. What are we doing here? I mean, this, I feel like we're going back. I feel like I'm watching a bad version of, like, Pleasantville, where you're, I, I don't get what's happening. It feels like the 1950s all over again with, like, book banning. This is, this yeah. is cancel culture from people who are, I guess they just want our kids to be ignorant. and to Between 1869 and the 1960s, hundreds of thousands of Native American children were forcibly removed from their homes and placed in boarding schools operated by the federal government. The children were punished for speaking their native languages. Their names were changed and their hair cut off. They were forced to study only English and convert to Christianity. This brutal campaign was a form of cultural genocide to further erase the indigenous population. And though this is an extreme example, America's practice of forced assimilation continues today. Like in Florida, where Ron DeSantis is barring education about race, gender, sexual orientation, or any part of history that might make white Christians feel bad. His education department has even rejected an advanced placement course covering African-American studies, saying the class indoctrinates students to a political agenda. It's a pot, really call it the kettle black situation, because it's actually educational erasure that indoctrinates children. Children of color, who are the majority now, are taught nothing about themselves. Instead, they're force-fed lessons that only serve to lionize white heterosexual Christian men. By design, it offers these young minds little choice but to assimilate into mainstream, i.e., white culture. As we know, this country has a history of that. Also on the chopping block is intersectional knowledge, the idea that overlapping identities create unique dynamics and forms of oppression or discrimination, which is why DeSantis singled out the work of Kimberly Crenshaw, the scholar who coined the term intersectionality more than 30 years ago. But on Monday, DeSantis made it clear that he could use a course on what intersectionality even means. This course on black history, what are one of, what's one of the lessons about? Queer theory. Now, who would say that an important part of black history is queer theory? That the pedo was a teacher, too. It's, um, it's the world we got, because remember, map's really important. Wanna, um, oh, I forgot. I suck. Hold one. I suck. I'm out of practice because well, I was going to do it, but then I shit all over myself. So that kind of screws everything up. So let's, uh, let's add the new slides. Um, everything I am seeing lately is really starting to hurt my pancreas. I don't really know where my pancreas is. Those are kids. Those are fucking kids. And this is literally. Burberry's latest ad is promoting young, physical, healthy women getting double mastectomies. That's Burberry. I bought a Lifetime bottle in D.C. Spent 150 bucks on it with my wife's name on it. She'll never use it all, but I want to throw it out now. Then we have this great little fucking nugget. This is a teacher again. A preschool teacher doing an OnlyFans account from school. Nothing wrong with that, though. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, next one, non-binary fucking teacher. This is this is good shit right here. Uh, KHSD told the New York Times in an interview, my job is to protect kids. Sometimes they need protection from their own parents. It's all high transitioning. 
trans activist. Nobody is performing gender-affirming surgeries on children. Doctor, look at this 15-year-old kid whose breast I chopped off. They're doing it, and they know they're doing it, and they're bragging about it because it's virtue signaling. To the DSPCS, that is uh, DCPS, or to the DCPS initiative, it is Garrison DCPS. Watch how we're working with DCE Ed Fund to improve education equity. Equity. I can't tell where this is. Um, I tried to search, and I couldn't find it. But it's, it's clearly really scary. Hormone therapy boosts mental health of transgender and non-binary youth, study says. This is done at Health California. Every other research shows the exact opposite. HHS USDA appointee to Dietary Guide Advises Committee has some interesting takes on obesity. And I want to play this because, boys and girls, this is... I'm not saying the initial one was good. It was corn-based. But this is some bullshit. If you diet, you lose weight, right? The number one cause of obesity is genetics. That means if you are born to parents that have obesity, you have a 50 to 85% likelihood of having the disease yourself even with optimal diet, exercise, sleep management, stress management. So when people see families that have obesity, the assumption is, what are they feeding those kids? God, these people. And it's all because of that fat chick, I guess. I don't know. Dave Chappelle's triggering trans communities again. Next article, Dave Chappelle slams hypocrite trans protesters. Next article, Dave Chappelle's a piece of fucking shit because he's still doing his goddamn show and we don't want him to. These fucking wahoos are just killing me in a way that I I don't... I just don't understand why they're so fucking crazy. And then this is this is one of the things that I, I'm waiting for the story to balance. Um, because there's not enough about it. Bishop Swan. Kid goes to school and shoots his teacher who was six. But, of course, they're going to blame white people. Hey, uh, Jamel Hill, in another one of her great articles, who employs this bitch? The professional hockey claims... Oh, fuck, sorry. Let me zoom this up because I can't read it. Wants greater diversity but won't stand up to criticism. And then you get NASCAR wants to grow. We have some ideas that can help to do just that. Seen a number of changes in NASCAR. Here's a few more series fans consider. Podium-style celebrations. Let's put the show cars that is back on the road. Uh, move the season finale around each year, which, yeah, that's a given. Drivers, get your passports. Go overseas. And then there's Buku articles that, of course, are woke. More wokeness. This week, they put mufflers on. There's a reason because it's some, I listened to a podcast, so I got smart on it. Sometimes it's just too fucking loud. You can't even fucking talk. So 
people are saying muffle it and it'll be better. And I remember I tweeted, you know, hey, listen. Solo, you can hear a difference. Together, it sounded like a pack of cars. Well, I then added, I just don't like the woke. And I had all these people attacking me for saying it. But they have LGBT day, all this stuff. That is the problem with almost every corporation right now in sport, the NFL, everything. They spend all their time trying to get people that don't watch their product to watch their product. And the problem when you do that is that you just alienate the people that are already watching. So I think it's just stupid. So going into our last fucking section that we're going to hit the home run and end up with some lighter fare and some This Is America. Here is an army section. We're going to see day one at a aerosol school being done in Romania. Shoot house, which I miss so fucking much. And this fucking bullshit, which I will bitch about on the other side. Uh, my advice for a soldier for day zero, insert, um, day zero, coming in, just come in with a clear mind, make sure you're physically ready because there's a lot of physical events involving that to get you into the course. Come in with that mindset of you can do it, a can-do attitude, and just push through. So during phase one, we introduced that soldier to a basic aerosol operation by instilling military discipline and also showing them basic missions that aerosol carry and how important that role is within the division and within the Army. You probably know the importance of main battle tanks in the battlefield. They are key military weapons with the skills of shooting direct fire while maintaining a robust durability on the battlefronts. Presently, it's not something uncommon to observe army units comprised of only main battle tanks, as these machineries are sophisticated enough to conduct operations without significant concern. In this technologically driven era, 
The incredible development of weapon system led to outstanding machines with very powerful armor and high-tech systems. The American tank, M1 Abram and its variants, is often regarded as the best main battle tank among its counterparts. But to what extent is this really true? A true legend of the U.S. Army, the M1 Abrams have proved uncounted times their effectiveness as they were operated during the Gulf War, the war in Afghanistan, the Iraq War, the 2011 Egyptian Revolution, and more. Designed by the Chrysler Defense, which have now widely known as General Dynamics Land Systems, the company was reportedly to have built more than 10,000 units of the tank. It was a loyal supporter during both wars in Iraq, and it is highly probable the most combat-tested weapon in the world. The gun is hugely potent. Over the years, the platform has been steadily upgraded. In comparison to other tanks in its class, it is fast and maneuverable. It provides adequate protection for the crew. For these and other reasons that we will discuss, it has to be considered one of the best tanks ever. The variant M1A2 Abrams are third-generation main battle tanks that are among the world's heaviest. The Abrams line currently has three operational variants, the M1, the M1A1, and the M1A2. The U.S. Army intended to replace the tanks with the future combat systems XM-1202, but the project was shelved. Currently, the Army has the plan on preserving the available inventory Abrams and improve them in any way. Nonetheless, the Abrams is not unrivaled in its very heavyweight class. Other vehicles such as the German Leopard II, the British Challenger II, the French Leclerc, and the Israeli Merkava IV have comparable firepower and protection levels, though each has advantages and disadvantages. For decades, the most dangerous potential adversary was the Russian T-90 tank, a vehicle that can compete with the Abrams but is far from a peer. Russia's new T-14 Armada tank and its capabilities definitely poses a competitive threat to the Abrams. Though the Abrams appears to have a slight advantage in conventional armor, the Armada makes up for it with a combination of explosive reactive armor and a sophisticated radar-guided Afghanid Active Protection System APS, designed to shoot down incoming projectiles. Because the T-14 has an improved armor penetration, the Abrams' frontal armor may be vulnerable at shorter combat ranges possibly 1,500 meters and less. It is still debatable which one of them is superior over another, as they clearly have the capacity of destroying each other. It is worth to note that the Abrams can no longer assume the inferiority of opposing tanks. Let's now dig into the history and development of the M1A2 Abram tanks. The manufacturing of M1A2 began in 1986, and the first one was delivered to the U.S. Army in 1992. The M1A2 has a thermal sight for the tank commander and can shoot two targets at once. Second-generation depleted uranium is used in the armor. Then came the System Enhancement Package, SEP, upgrade, which altered the M1A2's already enhanced capabilities. The M1A2 SEP remains the backbone of the United States Armored Forces today. The U.S. produced 240 new M1A2 SEPs, updated 300 M1A2s with the SEP variant, and converted 400 M1A1s to the M1A2 SEP configuration. The SEP version's armor features enhanced depleted uranium components, making it one of the best in the world. 
By installing explosive reactive armor, the army can increase the level of protection. The tank's main weapon is a 120mm M256 with a range of 2.5 miles. M829A3 APF SDS ammo and M1028 rounds are used in the weapon. At a range of 0.12 to 0.3 miles, the second option is an effective ammunition for infantry targets. The tank has a ballistic computer and a sophisticated and capable firing control system. The two thermal sites employ second-generation FLIR technology, which also allows for night vision. A digital battlefield management system distinguishes friendly and hostile targets on the main battle tank. The system shows the location of adjacent friendly automobiles in real time. The commander, gunner, loader, and driver make up the four-person crew. The AGT-1500 gas turbine engines provide 1500 horsepower and give the vehicle good performance. The M1A2C is the M1A2 SEP battle tank's third iteration. It was first revealed by the US in 2015, and it's still the most recent of the Abrams. The MA-29A4 Advanced Kinetic Energy Rounds and the XM-1147 Advanced Multipurpose Program Ammunition are both compatible with the tank. Raphael Trophy HV is the active protection system. So why is it dubbed as one of the best tanks? Well, as of now, the Abrams are the U.S. Army's only operational main combat tanks. The M1A2C, or SEP version 3, is the most recent improved version of the Abrams tank line. The new enhanced version boasts remarkable systems and technology, top-tier armor, devastating firepower, and reasonable pricing. There aren't many things that can outperform this successful tank with all these qualities. Considering its current capabilities, more works are going to be done for the enhancement of M1 Abrams tanks. The Army is currently planning to develop the M1A3, a more radical upgraded Abrams. The details are sketchy, but one of the priorities appears to be reducing the Abrams' roughly 70-ton weight. Weight has certainly limited the Abrams' ability to deploy around the world and the bridges it can cross. A lighter weight gun, replacing the wiring with fiber optic cables to save two tons of weight, improved suspension, and the addition of a laser warning receiver are among the features specifically mentioned. In 2020, General Dynamics was awarded a $4.6 billion contract to improve the M1A2 v 3 version, with a prospective completion date of June 2028. The first delivery order is estimated to be worth $406 million. SEP itself stands for System Enhanced Package. It's all about lethality, protection, and survivability with this upgrade. More firepower and greater armor are also included in the update. The Advanced Ammunition M8... Why am I against it? Well, here's the deal, boys and girls. These are state-of-the-art fucking tanks. They're the best in the goddamn world. With fucking software, because I know it, because of my last two years in the Army, that it does barometric pressure, humidity, wind. It's a computer program that you, you got to work to miss. Well, I missed. But it, they hadn't hooked it up. It was the first fire. They were foresighting. But... Why are we sending this to Ukraine? It's one goddamn battalion. And then you see that under Biden, our exports are soaring. So let's just do the simple math. Our fucking javelins are useless now because everybody's got their dick beaters on it. And now you're handing over our best tank to Ukraine where eventually Russians will get a hold of that technology.
I mean, Ukraine isn't goddamn us, folks. They're not just going to be able to whoop ass all the time. Uh, the announcement expected as early as Wednesday comes as German appeared to be handing Leopard 2 tanks. The U.S. decision to send M1 Abrams tanks to Ukraine breaks new ground. Several Ukrainian officials are f- fired amid a scandal involving military purchases. The State Department says corruption cases in Ukraine don't appear to involve U.S. aid. The shakeup of government officials responds to key public demand by Zelensky. Two British men went to Scholar. Neither came back. An advocacy group estimates that only one in five Wagner recruits remain active in Russian forces, and Ukrainians have donated nearly $500 million to the country's military. And we don't even know where all our shit went. We just don't know where all the javelins, all the aid. We sent over 1,000,155 rounds to them motherfuckers. Right now, if we had to go to war, we do not have the ammunition to do it. We've been handing everything over to them. And I once again go to the beginning of the last show with Dan Bondingo, and I got to say, there is something here. There is something there, there. There's something there, folks. Why are we doing this? This is pretty badass. Um, finally, Bradley's will get the iron fist protection. No, oh, I'm fucking up. There it is. Look at that shit. Basically impenetrable. That's pretty cool. Really cool. The Army's new Microsoft futuristic goggle system. Soldiers hit fewer targets, engage targets more slowly with the Invaz 1.0 with their current equipment. Basically, when I read this, it makes us less safe. And we just sold out to fucking Microsoft. Then you see, as we're handing everything over to the world, well, I guess I lost that. Um, the Marines have divested all their aircraft to move the new aircraft so they can't even fix their aircraft. Then you start getting into the fuck, fuck goose of military stuff. Troops can't get discharge forms or retire due to an HR software transition. TRICARE beneficiaries are suffering. The Biden administration refuses to hear them out. They won't fix things. Everything's going up because he doesn't care. And then we find out over 20,000 retirees and active soldiers were also kicked off TRICARE because of this new software. Good work. Flight school at Fort Rucker, a cheating scandal. That's pretty scary. Troops booted over COVID vaccine could get their job back on a GOP plan. Don't count on it. Coasties face military highest court for sharing disrespectful memes. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. That that's a thing, folks. And it's a scary thing. And then we have this, if I can screen print it. Let me zoom it down because this uh, media didn't even cover because, you know, why would they? Why would they cover this? I mean, this is just important shit, but we don't cover it because, you know, too busy trying to protect Biden when the whole world is going to shit in a handbasket. 140 fighters, nuke bombers. In a show of force, 
and it was in Israel. According to senior U.S. defense official, the exercise is meant to show Iran and other rivals that Washington is not overly preoccupied with the invasion of Ukraine. And they rolled out a red carpet that we only do in Korea. 140 fighters, nuke bombers, 12 warships, MQ-9 drones, a submarine, U.S.-Israel begins massive military drills aimed at Iran. Hmm. Interesting to save the least because it didn't even make our radar. And then you have this guy, Bronze Stars and Purple Hearts, the next Army enlisted leader's combat record. SAR Major Michael Weiner is set to become the Army's next top enlisted soldier in August. Weiner begins a significant amount of combat experience in this position, some details of which are publicly reported here for the first time, including details on multiple Purple Hearts and Bronze Stars for Valor. He takes the role as a service transition, two decades global war. Uh, D-Day was later, okay. The service top listed all come from combat armor roles, mostly with infantry, cavalry, or artillery, and typically have thick combat resumes going back to service first and top, who went and landed on France. Details of weird war, okay. All awards were action in Iraq, where Wiener appeared to have served with the 7th Special Forces. On 2 April 2003, Werner, a Sergeant First Class at the time, received a Purple Heart and Bronze Star for V device for Valor while serving as an assault team leader and team breaching specialist, soldier typically in charge of blowing doors. Sergeant First Class Wiener demonstrated extreme courage in face of enemy assault during the course of the battle. Sergeant First Class Wiener courageously completed his task despite the hail of gunfire from the enemy impacting all around him. The arduous terrain and the nebulous threat environment posed a considerable risk for actions on four. One, he also got a joint service commendation with V as a master sergeant. So basically, this motherfucker is a bad motherfucker. And that's cool because the last dude was a tanker. So, short army section. Going to go into our lighter fare, some freedom tunes, and the top 10 skits by Chris Farley. It's a little long, but I want to play it because it's funny. Enjoy. You're not going to believe this, but even after my last three master classes in fixing memes, the left still cannot, there's, the left still is not able to meme. I will extend my services to them with a fourth video. If they really want to learn, they'll check out freedomtunes.com because behind the paywall, we're going to have a 12 minute version of this. Time zones are crazy. In Australia, it's nine. In Rome, it's one. In America, it's 1942. We're about to make this meme much more accurate. And in America, it's 1932, where the president is disabled and we're facing a great depression. Come on, All right? man. Boom. Is this, this is literally how they think. Roe v. Wade being overturned in the midst of a formula shortage is almost comical. That, it, that literally the left-wing solution to everything is kill babies. Oh boy. Even though we can live comfortably, just the four of us, Sweet Apple Acres can't afford another mouth to feed. What? Is this, I'm sorry, does My Little Pony, is My Little Pony Universe experiencing shortages? 
The baby you born could have could have cured cancer. The gay kid you bullied into suicide could have cured cancer. Oh my! The 14-year-old dead after a school shooting could have cured. Ca Hold on. Am I being accused of shooting the school up too? What do you mean? The baby I put in a cage could have cured cancer. Like he was going to. He's like, well, now I don't want to anymore. Oh, or was like he was going to do it that day. That's what he was going to do that day before I put him in the cage. Look, man, it was cage time. I'm sorry. Rules are rules. The be pro-life to bully a gay kid to put a baby in a cage pipeline. It's like a big giant water slide. Put your arms up in the air, folks. <laughs> See, little baby genius just like reaching his arm out of the cage, trying to grab hold of the chemistry set before his little baby brain forgets the cure for cancer to no avail. I mean, honestly though, it seems like a stretch to blame me. I'm starting to feel like I can't do anything without stopping someone from curing cancer. If you're cis and you won't date trans folks, you're transphobe. Or you're just not gay, but whatever you want to call it. Oh, wait, oh, it's not gay for a man to have sex with a trans woman. Cause she's a woman! Wrong. They, they legit think saying I'm trans is the same as no homo. Yeah, bro, of course you can hook up with a dude. You just have him dress as a chick and say no transphobe. It's totally straight. We're human beings, not sex organs, cis lesbians. I'm talking to you. So then why don't you just have sex with trans lesbians? Why do you want the cis lesbians so bad? It's interesting. You know what else the lives are up to? Trying to, trying to take me down. Look at this. Timcast's Tim Pool does podcast episode with homophobic Catholic Seamus Coglin. An episode, dude, I was a co-host on that show for like seven months. There's me, that's real life me. You guys are used to seeing me in animated form. This is who I am on the inside. I wanna say here because I, I, I uh, hear what you guys are saying. I don't think we share a perspective here, particularly on gay marriage. I think once a society says that two men can be married and tries to redefine marriage in that way, we've already lost the plot on what gender roles are. And so we're open to any uh, and everything happening with the relationship between men and women that doesn't really correspond to reality and, and what the, the sexes do and how they're designed to relate to one another. That's Very well put, very accurate. Nothing hateful or spiteful or evil or even rude in there. Let's see what uh, they're saying. A disagreement with someone doesn't mean you're afraid of them. Oh my gosh, all the comments are backing me up. Oh, I like him, cool dude. <laughs> oh my gosh. Guy was S's opinion and gave it. Yeah, look at this, look at this. He's not homophobic, he's correct. Oh, this is not going how the poster planned, huh? Define homophobic, then we can talk. He's homophobic AF. Well, Jada Pinkett. Keep my wife's name out your no! I'm going. I'm sorry you feel that way. Shimcast is right. He's right. Oh my gosh, dude. This is like, I'm going to tear up. This is like um, at the end of Spartacus, when everyone goes, I'm Spartacus. This guy calls me out as a homophobe. You may keep your jobs on the condition that you denounce Seamus Coughlin as a homophobe. I'm 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 a homophobe. Hey folks, if you want to see a 12-minute long extended cut of this video, go to freedomtunes.com and become a member for five bucks a month. You'll also get one extra member-exclusive cartoon each week, and you'll be Alright. Based on the debriefing, those stolen documents should be here. Oh, I'm so excited. We're finally gonna nail Trump! Uh, 
Yes, we got him. The walls are closing in, Orange Boy. And all because you had to steal a vice presidential cheat sheet that says don't sniff reporters. Uh, I don't think these are Trumps. Oh, please. Who else would want to take these documents on? Getting your son to share his crack. Huh. Are you kidding me? And check this out. He burnt this folder with Hunter Biden's criminal record in it. Why would Trump do that? Because he didn't want people to find it and see how clean it was. Duh. Oh my gosh. Look at this. A DARPA research folder on how to make children scented air fresheners. This isn't Trump stuff, man. Then why does the racist have a full profile on an old black man in here? Who else would be spying on minorities? Says his name is Corn Pop? It has the words bad dude written on it in crayon. Why are you always defending Trump? I'm not, but this is clearly Biden's stash. Is not. No, stop. Hey, cut that out. Ah, ooh, ah, ah. Good going. Now we woke him up for sure. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. President Biden. I told you. Trump kidnapped you. How long have you been here for? Uh, shut up, fat. What are you doing in my kitchen? We're just making sure Trump didn't plant evidence on you. Yep, this garage looks good. Sick him, Hunter! Did you hear about the shooting? Yeah, it's insane. None of the conservatives will talk about it. How can they claim to be pro-life and just ignore this stuff? Exactly! People are dying! I don't understand how you could be silent about- uh, oh. Uh, uh, th the shooter wasn't white. Huh? The shooter? He wasn't white. What shooter? We won't be touching any of his film or other TV work, but rather focusing on the sketch comedy work that made him a star. For his other TV and film work, check out our video of the top 10 Chris Farley moments. Number 10. Rudy Giuliani's son. Rudy Giuliani's 1994 mayoral inauguration speech made nationwide news thanks to the upstaging antics of his young son. But that was nothing compared to the incident's treatment on SNL. My dad, mayor! <laughs> Chris Farley's on-screen chemistry with Kevin Nealon is at the forefront here, as Chris makes faces and mugs for the camera. Yeah! Oh yeah! I love my mayor! <laughs> Neilan can barely keep it together while trying to play straight man to the irrepressible Farley. And their combined live from New York callout for this cold open really sets the stage for a sentiment we'll be returning to often during this list. That Chris Farley was truly loved by his castmates. Monday, we can all say, Live from New York, it's Saturday night! Number 9. Gap Girls. Adam Sandler, David Spade, and Chris Farley were a team on and off the screen, so naturally they worked well together on many a famous SNL skit. Can't believe how slow it is in here today. We've got so many lucky lows. The trio was particularly funny in this recurring sketch that saw them playing teenage girls working at Gap. It's how dedicated Chris and the boys were to their characters that saves the sketch from the obvious pitfalls. When I was making out with her, it, it was weird, but I didn't hate it. Gross! Get away! Oh my god. The accents, physical mannerisms, and hair flips lifted the Gap Girls from a pretty basic premise into a sketch that almost always brought the house down. I'm sure! Look at that! Oh, do it! Number 8. Lunch Lady Land. 
We all know that Adam Sandler is a master of musical comedy, but not even he could hold a candle to the force of nature that was Chris Farley. Well, I wear this net on my head Cause my red hair is falling out I wear these brown orthopedic shoes Cause I got a bad case of the gout here, Sandler's Lunch Lady Land receives the pantomime treatment from Chris as the titular school chef, as other cast members dance around as angry pieces of food. Farley's facial expressions and enthusiastic dancing are to die for, so much so that Sandler can barely hold back his laughter. Lunch Lady Land may have already been a funny song, but it took Chris Farley's hilarious performance to make it iconic. <laughs> we got six kids and we're doing just fine. Number seven, Schiller Vision Hidden Camera. Sometimes it's what we don't expect that really gets us rolling. You're drinking Colombian decaf coffee crystals. That was certainly the case when it came to the SNL sketch Schiller Vision Hidden Camera, where Chris Farley made it a point to go off the rails with his performance. You no good damn The sketch is a parody of the old coffee commercials where a company would switch an average person's cup of joe with their brand. Only Farley's character does not take this deception very well. flies off the handle when served Colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals, cursing and overreacting in a way that goes against the grain of the OG commercials, and Chris's own easygoing nature. Number six, The Chris Farley Show. We can actually imagine kind of loving a real interview program featuring this fictionalized version of Farley. Songwriter ever. <laughs> that sounds stupid. God, an idiot. In this sketch, Chris plays a well-intentioned and passionate interviewer who's just a bit too starstruck by his guest, the Beatles' Paul McCartney. Remember when you went to Japan and, uh, and at the airport they arrested you because you had some pot and made all the papers and everything? Well, to be honest, Chris, I'd kind of like to forget all that. His enthusiasm is there, as well as his nerves, but he just can't seem to get his line of questioning right. That is, until a very sincere question about the Beatles' Abbey Road album gets him a short but very sweet answer from Paul. I find the more you give, the more you get. <sighs> Seeing Chris's happy reaction to one of his heroes gets us every time. Number five, Bill Swirsky's Superfans. This recurring SNL sketch may be something of an ensemble piece, but Chris Farley's character, Todd, had a number of moments that fans still remember fondly. The Bears. The Bears. Some may be a little morbid, but then again, the superfans were a bunch of diehard Chicago sports fans whose diet consisted primarily of beer, cheese, and cured meats. Coach Dicka had his mind on more important things. There was a war end, my friend. That's right, our boys were overseas. Yeah. Todd would choke on pork chops, have multiple heart attacks, play his own wife in drag, and overall just make it difficult for anyone sharing the superfans' table to outshine him. <laughs> he always stole the scene. You gotta remember to chew those pork chops, buddy. Number four, Schmidt's Gay Beer. 
While we've already mentioned another SNL parody of popular commercials, their Schmidt's gay satire hits the funny bone on a whole other level. You two look like you need to get wet. Farley and Adam Sandler shoot this video clip as typical single bros, house-sitting and planning a wild beer bash. <laughs> this beer commercial is a little different, however, as instead of bikini-clad babes, the boys are going gaga for Schmidt's gay, the beer choice for buff beefcakes. If you've got a big thirst and you're gay, Reach for a cold, tall bottle of Schmidt's Gay. Seeing the pair go through all of the typical motions you'd see in an 80s or 90s beer ad, while completely subverting expectations, is hilarious, while its satirical take on the ad industry still resonates today. Number 3. Japanese Game Show There have been plenty of comedy shows that have tackled the wild world of Japanese game shows, but this episode from 1994 was early to the party, and in a great way. I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry. Does anybody here speak English? Do you guys speak English? Farley is a stranger in a strange land as the only person on a Japanese game show who doesn't speak Japanese. Hachi? Juhachi? Tadashi! 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 This could have been a one-joke sketch, but it gets darker when the other contestants have to pay a horrible price for their wrong answers. Excuse me, I won. What the heck are you doing here? Hey. Chris's character somehow gets to the final round through dumb luck, only to find himself tied up and electrocuted while still insisting that it's all a big mistake. <laughs> Number 2. Chippendale's Audition even people who aren't avid SNL fans are still familiar with this iconic skit. It's not so much the setup of a Chippendales audition that makes this scene with Chris Farley and Patrick Swayze so funny, but rather the execution. The judges and cast take the competition between Swayze and Farley so seriously, and the performances are so deadpan, that Swayze seems sincerely relieved when he gets the job over Chris who certainly has enthusiasm on his side. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I just never wanted anything so much in my life. And now that I got it, I just can't deal with it. Oh, that's okay, Adrian. We understand. <laughs> if for some reason you've never watched this classic SNL moment, do yourself a favor and check it out now. No, Barney. No, no. No, Barney, we've, we've made our decision. Before we unveil our number one pick, here are some honorable mentions. Care for Indian food? Try Bombay Garden. It's cozy and expensive, and the tandoori chicken's the best in town. It's as if I am in the room alone. El Nino. For those of you who don't habla espanol, El Nino is Spanish for the Nino. Maybe I'm not a GQ model or a hunk. Maybe I'm not handsome or even presentable. I'm not pleasing to the eye. For the love of all things holy, let the boy rub the dog's belly. He said he likes to do it, and you know damn well the dog likes it too. Number one, Matt Foley. He lives in a van down by the river. I am 35 years old. I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. This may have been motivational speaker Matt Foley's signature line, but it wasn't the only thing that made this Chris Farley sketch such a success. Brian, from what I've heard, you're using your paper not for writing, 
but for rolling doobies. Chris's boisterous movements, his intense knack for physical comedy, and the reactions of his co-stars all made his Matt Foley segment some of the funniest in SNL's run. And I wish to dear God that I was living in a van down. To our This Is America, we got uh, CNN finally admitting that um, by playing their old sound bites that they were wrong. Uh, rule, they're all a bunch of fucking cheaters. And what was this one? Oh, fact checking. This is uh, Lemon saying that we always hold powerful people accountable on CNN. Sure you do. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. And this is America. And we have to constantly remind viewers that it's even worse than we know. It's even worse than the data indicates. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Brian, if you pay attention to conservative media, you know that the opposite is being told to them. Right. You know, on talk radio and some of these right wing sites, there's this conspiracy theory that the deaths are being overcounted. So it's even more important for news outlets to stress. These are, you know, these are very likely undercount to numbers. In a Washington Post op-ed, senior medical analyst and former Baltimore health commissioner, Dr. Lena Wen asks, are some of these Americans dying from COVID or with COVID, dying from COVID or with COVID? That's the distinction. She goes on to say, two infectious disease experts I spoke with believe that the number of deaths attributed to COVID is far greater than the actual number of people dying from COVID. So let's bring Dr. Lena Wen in to talk about her, her op-ed. These are two separate things here, overcounting deaths and overcounting hospitalizations. As you know, I covered this closely being in the Trump White House when this happened. I talked to a lot of health officials about this who are actually kind of skeptical of this claim that you're making. And I think one big thing has been, what is the evidence that these COVID deaths are actually being overcounted? Well, this is the reason why this kind of transparent reporting is going to be so important. There is a way for us to look at death certificates and also to look at the medical records of individuals prior to their death. And I think this needs to be separated into three categories. One is the um, the COVID as a direct contributor, the primary cause of death. The second is, could it be a secondary contributing cause? So for example, somebody with kidney disease, COVID then pushes them over the edge to have kidney failure. That's COVID as a contributing cause. And then the third is COVID as an incidental finding. So somebody coming in with a gunshot wound or a heart attack and they happen to test positive. I think that we need to separate out and look at the percentages of each. That percentage would have shifted over time as well. In the beginning, probably a lot more people were dying with the primary cause of COVID. That probably has shifted. And I think, again, we need to understand this. Mm -hmm. Listen, to be clear, though, and it says in, in your um in your op-ed, the COVID death count turns out, if it turns out to be 30% of what is currently reported, that is still unacceptably high. That's exactly right. And there are still so many other people who are dying because of the pandemic. When you look at the excess deaths, the predicted number of deaths versus the actual number of deaths now, we're still having a lot of people who are dying. They're dying from overdoses. They're dying from suicide. They're dying because of their health care was disrupted and cancer screenings and diabetes management was delayed. But I think that if we attribute all those deaths to COVID, we're actually missing many of these structural issues in our healthcare system that have to be addressed. So that's why that honest, um, transparent reporting um, and a systematic standardized approach across the country is going to be really important.
Dr. Lena Wen, thank you. Certainly got all of us talking this morning. Yeah. Thank you, doctor. Appreciate that. Next. Your wife, the last time you were here, you said your wife said America voted to get rid of crazy. They said, yeah, they said, she said, they said, stop it. Stop it. But and this is exactly what they want. They, they want uh, people who are going to govern and responsibly and look at their pocketbooks and, you know, they look at, um, you know, for example, one of the first votes Republicans took was on, uh, you know, cutting enforcement of tax cheats. Absurd. Now, and which Absurd. would have increased the deficit tremendously. Then who are the millions of Americans that are saying, yes, let's spend money on a committee to dig into the origins of COVID? Who are the scores of voters that are saying, mm-hmm, I voted for that? I think it is scores. <laughs> I think it's literally scores of voters. No, the scores of, uh, there's they have a base. It's the MAGA base, and that's who they're preaching to. But that, that is, I think we saw in the last midterm that, that they really underperformed considering the history of what you would expect in a midterm where the president was at 40, low 40s. And, you know, uh, and uh, if they keep this up, they'll... The House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has had his hands on the gavel for just over two weeks now. And if you're a person in power, you better believe your expert, your expert fact checker, Daniel Dale, is watching your words. Daniel, good morning. You found some of McCarthy's claims misleading and just a garbage fire of fucking bullshit. And it's just <laughs> it's what our media is. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics Podcast. Share with your family and friends by going to SoundCloud, Flyover Politics with a K, Rumble, 482-467-FOPPodcastGmail.com. Last walk about civilian life done today. Probably do a once a week little segment talking about life in general. But going back to listen to podcasts tomorrow. It was sporty this morning. It was 24. Snowing. It was um, gold. God, it was very, very cold out. But I uh, know it was a short podcast, which is what I'm trying to do. Just a minute, out one hour and 30 minutes, hit some points and let it go. We'll do our next one on uh, the 31st, Tuesday. Last day of January, hard to believe. Um, recovering's getting better other than the dumping, but that's okay. Um, I actually had a decent meal last night with chicken salad and it was delicious and it sat well. I went to, I'm sleeping in a bed. Day four was better than day three, which is better than two and one. It's just something about it makes me feel sick. But, uh, last night was great. Went to bed, um, get a hold hands with my wife and sleep with my puppy, which I kind of like having her on my shoulder, checking on me. The funny thing about this whole thing is of all the people that are the most worried, it's not my sister or my mother or my wife, it is the dogs. My 95-pound husky comes in and sits next to me. He is very, very worried about everything. And uh, all the huskies are, they smell me because I guess they knew I was injured. And um, he's the most worried of them all. So that's kind of sweet. We don't deserve dogs. We just don't deserve dogs. They are 
better than us in so many ways. And uh, they remind me that every day. But um, make sure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yes. And I hope you enjoyed this show. It was at least a little bit entertaining and uh, gave you something to listen to. As always, I thank you all for listening and you take care.